On guard. Hey, no sword fighting in the kitchen. Aurora of the Yukon, Chapter 5, Gunfight on Broadway. She's just a girl. That's Soapy Smith describing me. From my diary, Skagway, Alaska, July 8th, 1898. So much happened in the days after the July 4th parade. Frank Reed told my mom that the Dominion Telegraph office was a fake and that all our money had been stolen by Soapy Smith and Mr. Cicero. Actually, he had to tell me, and I had to tell my mom. It was quite a scene. My mom cried all night long. When even I tried to comfort her, it just made her even sadder. I think she thought she was a bad mother for getting us kids mixed up in everything. Mothers are like that sometimes, I think, even though they try their best and really do such a good job of taking care of you. Mr. Reed also talked to the other people in Skagway who weren't in Soapy Smith's gang. They formed a group called the Committee of 101 to clean up Skagway and get rid of Soapy and his lambs. That's what Soapy called his gang members. Soapy also had his own committee, called the Committee of Permanent Law and Order. Soapy wasn't really interested in law and order, of course. It was just one of his many tricks. Most of the people on it had either been paid money or threatened into joining, I think. I guess Soapy had been tricking Chichacos for a long time. Besides the telegraph office, he also had Jeff Smith's parlor. It wasn't very big, but it had a bar and a casino, which means that people could gamble and play games for money. Soapy's lambs would give Chichacos free drinks, the men would get drunk, and then Soapy would either cheat them at gambling or steal their money. Soapy also had a freight service, where they would charge you money to send your boxes to Seattle. Then they would just steal what was inside or dump your boxes in the ocean. Soapy was a rough man. Sometimes if you didn't fall for any of his tricks, he would tell his men to take you out to see the eagles. That meant they'd take you to the edge of town and beat you up to steal your money. Mr. Cicero was also a famous con man. His specialty was exactly how he tricked us, with his Oddfellows pin. He would wait on the Skagway dock looking for men with club pins like the Oddfellows. I guess he had 50 different pins in the cigarette case he kept in his jacket pocket, from the Mason's Club, Friends of the Eagles, Order of Foresters, and so on. He knew each club's secret handshake, too. When he spotted a man wearing a club pin, he would put on the same one and pretend to bump into him. Then he would make friends and take the fellow to the telegraph office or another Soapy Smith trick. I didn't like Soapy Smith from the second I met him, but Mr. Cicero had been really nice. He completely fooled us. Mr. Reed's friends were really nice to us once they found out what had happened. They moved us out of our tent right away. I guess Soapy owned the Royal Palace Hotel and had been overcharging us. We moved into another tent behind Mr. Reed's house. Everyone was always bringing us sourdough pancakes, bacon, Alaska blueberry pie, and all kinds of things. Mr. Reed said Eve looked like a baby grizzly bear with his face covered in blueberry stains all day long. All this time, Soapy Smith pretended that nothing had happened. He walked up and down the middle of Broadway just like he did before, but not quite so many people said hello as before, and some even crossed the street to avoid him. July 8th was a bad day. That was the day we found out that Soapy Smith told Mr. Reed that he wouldn't give our money back. He said we were making it up, even though Maman had a little receipt from the telegraph office. Maman wanted to call the police. We don't have the mounted police here like they do in Canada, said Mr. Reed. The nearest police are 100 miles away in Juneau. We have to fix this ourselves, said one of Mr. Reed's friends. Soapy just sold $2,600 from a miner yesterday. We've got to fix that too. Then they went off to another one of their Committee of 101 meetings. What do they do at their meetings? asked Eve. Not much, it looks like, I replied. That afternoon, I decided to get our money back myself. Mama and Mr. Reed hadn't got it back, and I knew exactly where Soapy's headquarters were. Eve and I played three musketeers all over Skagway. We knew the town as well as anybody. I explained the plan carefully to Eve. He would hide in the giant Alaska rhubarb behind Jeff Smith's parlor, which was Soapy's headquarters. I would bring a bench and climb in through the window on the back wall. 
It was too small for an adult to get through, and they left it open most of the time. We had looked in the front window lots of times. I knew the window either went into Soapy's office or a storage room. Then I would get back as much of our money as I could and climb back out. If I got caught, Eve was supposed to go get Mr. Reed. I also made a backup plan for what I could do if I got caught. If I had a chance to get to the front door, I would try to run. If I didn't, I would say I was just trying to steal more candy. I had one piece left from the parade, and I put it in my pocket. It's always a good idea to have backup plans. I learned that from reading The Three Musketeers to Eve about 300 times. I was scared, really scared, as I climbed up to the window. There was a piece of string stopping it from opening all the way, so I pulled out Mrs. McGregor's knife and carefully cut through it. Then I opened the window all the way. I could see inside the storeroom. I checked that no one was in it and then climbed through the window. I got a nasty scrape on my leg and landed with a thump. It sounded so loud that my first thought was to jump back out of the window again. But no one seemed to have heard me or to care. There are a lot of things in Alaska that go thump. I looked through the keyhole into the parlor. There were a few men sitting at the bar drinking beer. I crouched down so no one could see me and slowly pushed the door open. I waited for someone to say something like, Hey, who left that door open? When no one said anything, I quickly crawled into Soapy's office. His office had two comfortable chairs and a desk. It was filled with all kinds of junk. Most of it's probably stolen, I whispered to myself. On his desk was a gun and a set of gold scales. There was so much gold from the Klondike around that lots of people paid for things with little bags of gold instead of money. That meant you had to weigh it. I pulled open Soapy's drawer. There were two sets of weights for the scale there. They looked the same, but one set had little holes drilled in the bottom of each weight. But no matter where I looked, there was no money or gold. It must have all been in a safe under the desk. I looked around for a combination written on a piece of paper, but I couldn't find one. And even if I had, I thought, I don't know how to open a safe. Suddenly, the front door of the parlor banged. Soapy, I thought you were at Clancy's bar, said the bartender. Give me a beer, snarled Soapy in return. Then he started looking for his gang. Where's Cicero? Where's Windy Bill and the rest of my lambs? Should be here any minute. Okay, the rest of you, clear out. There was a scraping noise as the other customers left the parlor. Soon they were replaced by Mr. Cicero, Blackball, and the rest of Soapy's gang. I was in a total panic. There was no window in Soapy's office, and no way I could get back to the storeroom without getting spotted. Rather than do something foolish, I decided to hide. I crawled down under Soapy's desk and pulled in the chair to hide my legs. Have you ever had to hide? Not just from your brother, but from really bad people? It's horrible. For a minute, I started to cry, but I had to stop. I would get caught for sure. From under Soapy's desk, I discovered that I could see through a crack into the main room of the parlor. Skagway buildings are so badly built that their walls are always crooked and cracked. I could see Soapy, Mr. Cicero, Blackball, as well as fellows like Windy Bill and the rest of Soapy's gang. Windy Bill seemed to be looking right at me through the crack. My heart started to go even faster. He was one of Soapy's meanest friends. He never smiled and always acted tough, even tougher than the rest of the lambs. Fortunately, I realized he couldn't possibly see me through the crack. He must have been looking at something on the wall. I calmed down a bit, but not too much. I was still trapped in Soapy's office with no escape after all. Soapy was talking. Frank Reed is ruining this town, he said. The others nodded. It looked like they always agreed with whatever Soapy said. All these do-gooders, whiners, who cares if a few chichacos get fleeced? Don't they know what we've done for Skagway? Put it on the map, said Mr. Cicero. Yeah, said Blackball. The Juno newspaper said Skagway is the most lawless town in Alaska. This made Soapy mad. Shut up, Blackball. That's not what I meant. We've got the Committee of Permanent Law and Order. That's 300 people on our side. Who does Frank Reed think he is, anyway? Said Soapy. What are you going to do, Soapy? Frank Reed has called a meeting on the docks. What? That dirty dog. 
always interfering in other people's business. I heard the sound of Soapy smashing his glass on the floor. Tell the lambs to get over here and bring their guns. We'll shoot Frank Reed and break up his precious committee of 101. Mr. Cicero spoke up. Blackball, here's your math lesson for the day. Which is bigger, 300 or 101? Everyone laughed and started talking loudly as Mr. Cicero left to get the rest of the lambs. Suddenly, through the crack, I saw Soapy get up and head for the office. He's going to catch me for sure, I thought. I froze and tried to shrink into the shadows. But all he did was take a bottle of whiskey off the desk and go back into the parlor. I waited a few more minutes. What should I do? I could wait until they all left, but then Frank Reed might be dead. I waited another five minutes to get my courage up, then crawled out from under the desk. I crept towards the door to see if the storeroom was clear. Suddenly, I found myself staring right at Blackbolt's shoes. I jumped up and tried to run past him, but he tackled me. Soapy, look who is in your office! I begged him to let me go, but Blackwell just laughed and pinched my arm in a really mean way. You're in big trouble now, missy, he hissed, sort of laughing at the same time. Soapy Smith and the others stared at me. It's the French girl, said the bartender. She must have heard everything. Nah, she's just a girl, exclaimed Windy Bill, banging his beer mug down on the counter. A million thoughts went through my head. I'll never get my ma's money back, I thought. How will I escape? Well, she outsmarted you, replied Soapy with a snarl. I thought you were supposed to make sure no one could sneak into this place. He looked at me for a minute. His eyes were hard. I had never seen so much meanness in a person's eyes. My knees started to feel wobbly. I thought I was going to fall down and beg for forgiveness, but I didn't. Yeah, I guess she is just a girl, said Soapy. He didn't sound sure. I was just in my office a minute ago, and she wasn't there. She must have just come in. He turned to me. How did you get in here? I pointed at the storeroom window. When? I had no idea what to say, when suddenly I remembered my backup plan. That's why you have backup plans, so they pop into your head when you are too nervous to think of anything on the spot. Just now, Mr. Smith, I started to cry. I just wanted some more candy like you threw at the parade. I've just got one piece left. I put my hand in my pocket and showed him the last piece of licorice I had left from the parade. Liar, said Blackball, but Soapy ignored him. I'm all out of candy, Missy, he said with that fake smile he uses on kids. But here's 25 cents. Go buy some more for you and your brother. He gave me a quarter and then shouted, Now get lost! I ran out of the parlor, but just as I went through the door, Blackball pushed me. I flew across the sidewalk and went right under a wagon on the street. I was covered in mud and my knees really hurt. I looked up to see Blackball in the doorway, smirking proudly. Don't let me catch you around here again, girlie, he said. I got Eve from the rhubarb patch and we ran as fast as we could to find Mr. Reed. He was at the corner of Broadway and 2nd Avenue, talking to a friend. Breathlessly, we told them what had just happened. They want to kill you, I said. Mr. Reed didn't say anything for a long time. I couldn't tell if he was worried or just thinking. Bill, go to the dock and tell everybody you see. I've got to get some reinforcements. But Frank, you don't have your gun. Windy Bill or Soapy will just shoot you. But I don't have time to go home. I've got to get help. I'll go get it, I said. Mr. Reed looked at me for a second, deciding. Okay, Aurora, I can trust you to do a good job. Go to my house. The back door is open and my gun is under my bed. Bring it to the dock. I started to run, but he put his hand on my shoulder. I never keep a loaded gun around the house. Too dangerous. The bullets are in my bedside drawer. I ran off with Eve trailing behind me. I was breathless by the time I got there. I yanked open the back door. The gun was in a box under the bed. It was a pistol. I looked at it for a moment. It was scary. I'd never touched a gun before. Then I grabbed it and dashed out of the house. I was almost to the corner when I remembered the bullets. I ran back and yanked open the drawer. I pulled it so hard it came out and fell on the floor. The bullets scattered everywhere. Even worse, there were three different boxes for different kinds of guns. Which kind fit in the pistol in my hand? I just grabbed a handful of all three kinds and stuffed them into my dress pockets. Then I ran for the dock with my pockets jangling with bullets like I had a handful of pennies for the spring fair. 
I got there just in time. For once in Skagway, there was nobody on Broadway. Even the dogs had disappeared. I could see Soapy and the lambs step out of Jeff Smith's parlor a few blocks away and start walking towards the dock. The men on the dock standing with Mr. Reed looked scared and nervous. Even Mr. Reed looked white. He put six bullets in the pistol. Thanks, Roar. Now get lost. I mean it. Go see your mother. There might be shooting. I don't want you or Eve to get hurt. I knew my mom was in our tent writing letters to Montreal. I was about to run there when suddenly I noticed Soapy Smith just a block away. I grabbed Eve and we jumped behind a pile of boxes near where the dock joined the land. I made him squirm behind some bags of flour and told him not to move. Mr. Reed shouted at the committee of 101, and most of the men went to the dock to have their meeting. He stayed as a guard with three other men at the end. It was totally quiet as Soapy and the lambs walked towards the dock. "'You're not welcome, Soapy,' called Mr. Reed. "'We'll see about that,' said Soapy. He was wearing two pistols and had a double-barreled rifle. The rest of the gang had guns, too. For the first time, I saw a smile on Windy Bill's face. Soapy and the gang kept walking towards the dock. One of the men who was supposed to be helping Mr. Reed dropped to his knees and crawled behind the sack of flour, like Eve. The first two guards told Soapy to stop, but they didn't have any guns, and he just told them to shut up. Windy Bill gave one a push and laughed. Mr. Reed seemed to sort of brace himself and said, Stop right there. It wasn't too loud, but his voice didn't sound afraid. Soapy said something to Mr. Reed, then raised his rifle. Not to shoot Mr. Reed, but to hit him with the wooden part. Everything suddenly seemed to be going in slow motion. Mr. Reed blocked the rifle with his arm and pulled his pistol out of his pocket with the other. For God's sake, man, don't shoot! I heard the crack of Mr. Reed's pistol, but Soapy didn't flinch. The shot had missed. Soapy tried to grab Mr. Reed's gun, while Mr. Reed held on to the end of Soapy's rifle. Suddenly, there were two more shots. Soapy fell backwards onto the ground with his arms flung out wide. He didn't move again. Mr. Reed fell too, but was moaning and holding his lower stomach. Soapy's gang turned and ran. Blackball and Windy Bill were the first to go. They didn't even stop to help their friend, Soapy. Everyone else just stood around. They were too shocked to move. I saw blood pouring onto Mr. Reed's shirt. He really looked like he was in pain. The man hiding with Eve behind the flour sacks stuck up his head, but still no one went to help Mr. Reed. I ran out from my hiding spot towards Mr. Reed. Come on, I shouted. I grabbed one of the men's handkerchiefs and pressed it against where the blood was coming out. Where's the doctor? Right, shouted one of Mr. Reed's friends, finally. Let's get him to the nurse. I looked up. Standing at the corner of Broadway and First Avenue was Mama. She was staring at the ruckus in puzzlement. Her eyes went from Soapy Smith, lying still in the middle of the road, to Mr. Reed, then finally to me. When she recognized me kneeling in the middle of Broadway beside Soapy Smith and Mr. Reed, with my hands covered in blood, she fainted, with all of her letters to Montreal scattering onto the boardwalk like confetti.